It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Watch The Atheist Experience live Sundays at 4.30 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash ytaxp and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash callaxp. It's time to get sexy on Secular Sexuality. Welcome to Secular Sexuality, the ACA show reminding you once again that we ain't nothing but mammals. And on this podcast, we like to do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. My name is Christy Powell, and I'm joined tonight by a science educator who is rapidly becoming my favorite nerd at the ACA. Welcome, Forrest Alki. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, so glad that we are that we're doing this. I mean, tonight we're going to be playing with a lot of science and a lot of uh, really fascinating stuff to me that I'll acknowledge I spent a lot of time thinking about, a lot of time reading about, and very little time understanding. So I'm very excited to do it. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I'm stoked. Let's get into it. Yeah, awesome. So we're going to be talking about the only animals we know of with a gender. So give us a call with your your stories, your questions. We're at 512-991-9242 or tiny.cc slash call sex because the show is coming right now. All right. Well, I am excited to get to know you. I've been enjoying watching you on AXP. And in my opinion, the best way to get to know somebody is to find out uh, what gets them turned on. So what's turning you on this week? Uh, dude, I'm fucking beyond stoked because I'm just I'm I'm cranking out a bunch of real papers right now, uh, working my butt off. Uh, we just got back from VidCon, which was a phenomenal experience in L.A. Uh, I just posted a video about that whole thing, the road trip there and back on my YouTube channel with a whole bunch of science involved in there. Got to learn a bunch of new stuff, got to uh, meet a bunch of new people. 
people, which is my favorite thing in the world. I'm just generally excited about reality all the time. And today is no exception. Wow. Okay. So you and I are living in slightly different realities. And I want a little bit of how you see the world because thank you. It's, uh, you know, we're reading about monkeypox before the show and we're yeah. you know, looking at everything going on in the world. And uh, it's good to know that somebody who understands something of science is uh, is able to put a smile on. I lets me know that I can relax. Just before when the credits were out, I had my phone. I was closing out of those monkeypox articles and everything. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll tell everybody what's gotten me worked up. Uh, you know, yeah. I got to be on the Atheist Experience live in the Free Thought Library last week. And uh, just before the show, I was handed this little bit to read to y'all folks, which, uh, which has got me a little hot under the collar. All right. It has been a long two years or so since we've all been able to congregate together. But based on updates from the CDC and other scientific organizations, we are going to be able to ease back into doing live shows and events. Our next event will be August 27th, 2022. Back Cruise 22! We've chartered the boat, the bats are roosting under the Congress Avenue Bridge, and we are looking forward to a wonderful BYOB BYO food evening with our ACA community of friends. Details on purchasing tickets will be shared soon, but now you can save the date for summer scheduling. The next day, August 28th, we will continue our live shows from the Free Thought Library. Both Talk Heathen and AXP will broadcast at their normal times, 1 p.m., 4.30 p.m., respectively. Uh, but now you can be a part of the studio audience. So start planning now to get the whole family into the station wagon to schlep over to Austin, Texas, USA to meet and greet your fellow non-believers, show hosts, and the people who make the magic possible, the crew. The doors to the library will be open at 12 noon to the public, so we hope to see you there. If you can't make it there in August, we will continue to broadcast from the library the last Sunday of each month, so keep watching this show and our website, atheist-community.org, for news and information as we expand our in-studio offerings in the near future. Whew, I am so turned on. Uh, the Bat Cruise <laughs> is going to be an absolute great time. I am just so excited to get to meet so many of the people that I, I interact with online and, and maybe people that I used to see in the library. Uh, Forrest, are you going to be able to make it down? I, I, soon? Maybe soon? <laughs> that sounds sure. rad. I'm, I'm just stoked that you got to squeeze in the word schlep. I haven't heard that one in a little while. That made me happy. It's a great word. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, it you know, really rings with the phrase Austin, Texas, USA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I said how excited we were to do it. So so let's do it. Uh, yeah, you yeah. have some expertise in the fields of, of biology and, and anthropology and, and some other things. I mean, what can any of these uh, more hard sciences that, you know, he says as a uh, liberal arts major, what, what can <laughs> some of these uh, things teach us about about gender? Uh, it's it's weird because they can teach us quite a bit. And then also there's a lot that they can't. Um, sure. So it's really important to remember that biologically speaking or just scientifically, um, sex and gender and sexual orientation and gender expression, like all of these things are completely different and mm -hmm. not a single one of them is really a bind. Um, And so what we do in science is we look at what nature is doing and we try to put labels on things and put things in the boxes. Nature makes all the rules and breaks all the rules all the time. Life does whatever it wants to do. Our job is to come along after the fact and say, okay, I'm going to call this this and I'm going to call this that. And wouldn't you know it, funny enough, it 
doesn't work like a lot of the time. And so when you have almost 8 billion people on the planet, it becomes pretty impossible to cram them into just one or two boxes. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we look into these things, we find that number one, you know, sex is a biological construct. Um, is what we're talking about when we talk about like mating and uh, reproduction, but it doesn't work as easily as cut and dry as a lot of people tend to think it does. It's mm -hmm. not really a super binary system. It's got a lot of ifs and ands and unless and accept and, and with and without, just like every other biological definition. There's Some not a single messiness. one. Yeah, exactly. Every single definition of biology is weird. That's why I love biology. <laughs> and then cult uh, or uh, gender is is a cultural construct. It's something that's it's a social phenomenon. And so that's even more fluid, even more wiggly, even more weird. And so when we look at these worlds of, of biology versus culture, which, you know, as, as someone who studies bioanthropology, blending those two things is a big part of my business. Um, when we try to bridge these gaps, we find a lot of hangups and a lot of things that make a lot of sense and a lot of connections that we can make in a lot of ways those connections don't really make sense but they kind of do and it's just a fuzzy weird situation and i know that that sounds like a cop-out answer or like <laughs> like kind of a um you know kind of kind of fatalistic but the honest truth that i wish more people understood is that that's the case with everything in biology mm. and and, it, and we're still studying it we're still just fine right um you know it's 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 just everything's weird and when you embrace that weirdness life becomes a lot more fun a lot more interesting yeah well i mean there there is such a rush to oversimplify which i i can appreciate like not everybody can learn everything and you know we right. live in a world right now where nobody wants to trust an expert or, or a talking head and you know i can at least understand the impulse if not uh, really condone that that notion uh but even and on top of that, there's a, a real desire, I think, to have everything look the way that it's, quote, supposed to. You know, yeah. you were talking about science trying to describe nature. Yeah. What can you tell us about the, the naturalistic fallacy or, or maybe rather what what, you know, prehistory and biology and, and some of these other things might open up for us? Yeah. So like when when you talk about things being natural, um, what's really important to remember is that the way that we see the world is through a framework that we we grew up with. we have heuristics in our mind that are built by our culture the way that we interpret information the way that we talk about things there's this whole concept called linguistic relativism which is just literally the way that you talk about reality shapes the way that you perceive reality um everything around you for your whole life shapes the way you see the world so when you talk about natural you have to understand that the way you're using that word and the reason why you're using that word and what you mean by that word are all heavily influenced by your culture, mm -hmm. by what you have been. And a lot of the time when we talk about science, um, you know, I'm, I'm a scientist before anything else. I, I care so much about data and about evidence and about reason and about, you know, tearing down, you know, barriers of, of emotion and culture and getting out of my own way. But I also have to recognize the fact that science as a whole is, you know, it, it, it's kind of now starting to crawl its way out of being very Eurocentric um, and, 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 you know, very you know, misogynistic for a long time um, and very whitewashed for a long time, especially when we talk about anthropology, you know, the, the whole field of anthropology was started by literally Victorian men with literally Victorian ideals. And they would go out into these other cultures around the world and find the men of the village and be like, how do you run things here? And they'd say, 
well, we don't. You know, there's this woman here who actually helped. And they'd be like, don't be stupid. How do you <laughs> run things here? And maybe you misunderstood huge, the question. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a huge amount of history of early scientists literally destroying evidence that went away from that, that indicated away from the, you know, Western European Christian puritanical framework that they had because that didn't fit with their reality. And so science is now coming to a point in the past, you know, few decades where we're kind of playing catch up. Um, if, if you really want to be depressed, look up how recent of a phenomenon feminist archaeological theory is mm. and how recently we started understanding that women existed for a long time <laughs> and they did stuff. Making <laughs> choices, doing exactly. things. It's a crazy phenomenon, yo. And like there's there's, you know, all these big revolutions in science now that are simply that other cultures and other genders and things exist. <laughs> um, and so you know, from the outside looking in, it's really easy for somebody to point at, like, say, for example, homosexuality and say, that's not natural. You know, it's supposed to be you know, male and female. And what they're missing out on is, number one, we've observed homosexual behavior in over 1,500 different animal species. Mm -hmm. And then the common retort is, well, yeah, but there's infanticide and rape and all sorts of other stuff out there in nature. So should we do that, too? It's like, yeah, but what you're missing You're the one who brought nature is, into this. It's Exactly. This is still an animal <laughs> behavior that you're claiming doesn't exist, and it does. And also, not only do we have to remember that humans are animals, but your comprehension of it has to be this man, the woman thing is from the past 2000 years of that ideology mm -hmm. bulldozing every other ideology. And so like you, you have to recognize that the way you see the world. Yeah, it, 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 it may be, you know, you might have some science on your side, but there's also a lot of culture on your side that you have to try to work around and get your head out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I so mean, it's, that's, a, it's a sticky I, thing. Yeah, that, that's a drum I try to beat on this show a lot. Uh, just that you can learn so much, not even by studying other cultures, but by just examining the assumption of like, this is the way it should be. And then finding out, oh, wait, nope, that's not how they do it in Shanghai. That's not how yeah. they do it in Dubai, you know, and, yeah. and recognizing that so many of these things we assume are innate like taboos around uh, nudity inside of a family, for instance, or, or really even right. nudity in general is something that we see as being different all over the world. And yet yep. people have this reaction that like, oh, well, it makes me uncomfortable in my biology. And therefore right. it must be like hardwired. Yeah, I was, at a, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, I was at a water park with some friends and there's a woman walking around with a baby that is stark naked. And the employees were like, ma'am, you you have to cover that baby. You have to you know, put a diet. There's, there's creeps here there's people cover here. up that baby and, and like what what it was was she was french she was visiting <laughs> and she was like why would anybody care that a baby's naked it's a baby that's just what we would do what and that was a complete yeah. disconnect and that's another you know western society so to speak right you know, the, the would, connection is relatively short different. line there yeah exactly and, and and even that is such a huge disconnection there and so like yeah when when we look at you know uh when we talk about things like gender for example um people tend to say well there's only two you're either a man or a woman and they're missing the fact that number one there have been lots and lots of other cultures throughout history there are lots of other cultures around today that have more than two genders there's cultures in india and there's including cultures in this East one Asia. i would just like to announce yes yeah, yeah absolutely more and more <laughs> ours as well as adapting to this you know and, and and you you can look at a lot of native american cultures you can look at a lot of south american and mexican culture like there's a lot out there and you have to ask this question at that point of like what makes more sense 
does it make more sense to say that this super individualistic, super empirical, super capitalistic culture steamrolled over everybody and, and through, through genocide and torture and forced conversion brought their ideals to the rest of the world by force? Or does it make more sense to say, well, everybody else in the world is just liberals and they don't understand. And it's like, what, what really makes sense there, you know? Yeah, I mean, that whole thought process requires you to acknowledge colonialism. Uh, yes forces you to acknowledge genocide and the rewriting of history and all of these yeah. things, uh, which is, uh, you know, which is tricky, right? Yeah. So, I mean, for that reason, because there is so much uh, s culture and, and science and things that have been destroyed very selectively, I should point out, mm. uh, it, it kind of creates the notion that these are like recent trends or, or things that were yeah. just made up recently. Uh, what, what can you speak to that in terms of what we see maybe across the rest of the uh, animal kingdom or, or wherever else? Yeah, that that's it's it's such an important thing because that is something that I get confronted with so often that everybody's gay nowadays and there's so <laughs> many trans everybody thinks they're trans now and everybody's coming out as bi it's it's fashionable to be bisexual and like what people don't realize is that you know take take the most conservative estimate right say you know it, it, around 4% of the population is homosexual right those measurements were taken back in the 90s when you're asking people to share very intimate details about their sexual preferences with complete strangers in white coats about a, a situation that is especially you know even at that time very taboo and would get you ostracized from a lot of social circles you're not going to get accurate numbers it's it's yeah. very tricky now we are in a society where it is more and more accepted to say hey you Know, I'm a little bit different. And it's becoming more obvious that being a little bit different actually isn't that different. It isn't that <laughs> unusual. And so we're seeing, you know, it's the same thing as when people say that there's there's more and more cases of autism nowadays. Mm -hmm. We're getting better at testing for it. And we're changing the diagnostic criteria. And we're raising awareness that this is something that's a possibility. Giving and a so shit about see, it a little bit. Creating space exactly, for it. Yeah. Exactly. And so we see an increase in cases. We don't see an increase in actual like, like this isn't happening more. It's being noticed more. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing here when we talk about being LGBT. It's that it's not that this is happening more and more. It's not not like more people are deciding that they're gay. It's not like it's just a fun trend. It's that we're finally treating these people almost like they're human. And so it's becoming a little bit Getting easier closer. for them to come out and say, hey, this is us. And you can talk to older generations ad nauseum and, and hear these stories of like, yeah, I've known I was gay my whole life, but this is what I had to do. So I had a kid and, and mm -hmm. I just did this was my job. You don't talk about stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and <laughs> you have people who say, well, why do I have a straight pride parade? When was the last time you could go to jail for being straight? Because in America, right. that fucking happened. You could go to jail for being gay. Cops would hang out in bars just trying to talk to other men. And if they talked back, they you might be gay. We take you. Like, there's a reason why the original gay rights movement was a fucking riot. So we have, you know, this, this movement now of people just saying, hey, there's more than one way to be a human. And, 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 I don't want to live in my eth you know, ethnocentric little bubble and say, I know the only correct way to be a human being, the best way, the most appropriate way to be a human being. That's bullshit. Everybody gets to explore this and learn for themselves. And what's really cool about this is that it's becoming more and more acceptable for people to ask themselves hard questions, explore their own sexuality, their own gender identity, their own personality, try on new ideals and new ideologies and new philosophies. Like, you know, you're going to a thrift shop trying on clothes. 
clothes. That's an important part of growing up. And lots and lots of people haven't had the opportunity to do that because they've been raised in a very heteronormative and Eurocentric culture that was like, this is the only way to be a person. And if you're not doing it this way, you're not human enough. And that's, you know, it, it's it's not surprising why we're seeing this trend now. So to speak, mm-hmm. this trend. Yeah, well, I don't mean to, to overly put you on the spot, uh, but I've seen some numbers from uh, big data aggregates taking things from like dating websites and things like that, Mm -hmm. that might suggest that maybe somewhere between like 80 to uh, 70% of the culture is actually cishet. So at Mm -hmm. least maybe anywhere from like a fifth to a third of us are are in some way queer, in some way weird. Does that number line up at all with the way you understand it now? You know, I'm not going to lock onto those numbers because I don't know them off the top of my head. But like, but I would say that in that trending direction, that Mm -hmm. would make a lot of sense to me that more people are now comfortable with being able to say it, it would be like, you know, if you, you know, go back to the days of like native boarding schools and you ask people if they identified with, with native American culture. Right. And nowadays you'd have a lot more people who are able to say, yeah, actually, even though it might be a tiny percent, this is, this matters to me, as opposed to when it was really, you know, a white America all the way. Mm -hmm. And you would face serious, serious social consequences if you said anything. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me that now, you know, after these studies from the nineties where it was like 4%, it might be like 20 to 30%. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and the interesting numbers are coming from places where people are not so much self-reporting as just self-selecting, you know, dating websites yeah. and, and things like that. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where all of that leads. Uh, but I think it's important to just continue to refute so much of the bunk science that just gets so easily traded around right now. I mean, yeah. obviously, you already explained that gender is more than just sex. Uh, and I mm-hmm. hope anybody who's watched this show more than once recognizes that sex is more than the like XXXY dichotomy. Oh, God. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, not even close. Yeah, well, so That's, is there a, a more scientifically accurate understanding that that we simpletons might be able to understand, <laughs> or, or what does that look like? Well, it's really important. Like, to, so it, science very often gets skewed as this thing that's like super elitist. Right. Mm. That we're all put up on this pedestal. And those like, yeah, it's just it's the same reason that you wouldn't, you know, go to a mechanic and try to tell her how to run the car when she's been studying it for a long time. It's just there's a lot more nuance there than put the key in and it goes. Right. And so when we talk about, you know, people go to school and they they, they I hear all the time, you know, I learn high school biology that there's XX and XY. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Like, do you really think that all of us who went to college and got a couple of degrees in biology were all just sitting around the table going, yep, yep, XXXY? That's all it. Yep, 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 yep. XXXY. Like there's more to it than that. And so, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, the argument of like, well, yeah, there's, there's outside of XXXY. First of all, um, there's, you know, you have Klinefelter syndrome, XXY. That's three sex chromosomes. So what the fuck are you going to do? How are you going to classify Which that? Which box are we this, putting that in? in this, yeah. Right. In this little stupid binary system, you could have uh, uh, De La Chapelle syndrome where the SRY gene on the Y chromosome, it, it's a gross oversimplification to say that that's what gives you male genitalia, but we'll just call it that for now. But Fair. like, it's, it's that part of the system that can get translocated onto an X chromosome. And so you can have XX and still have what you would call a male body. 
and you would never know unless you went and got your genome sequence. So like, you know, you could have Sawyer syndrome where you have XY chromosomes. These are sex chromosomes, by the way. They're, they're, we call those allosomes. Everything else is called a, a, an autosome. So I'm just making that distinction because when you say chromosomes, you Let's there's a lot of sex differentiation. Well, there's a lot of sex differentiation that goes on beyond the XY bullshit, right? Those allosomes are neither necessary nor are they sufficient for these kind of developments. So like, yes, they're a part of it that we can look to when we're karyotyping people, but like they're not the whole story at all. Um, so anyway, sorry, I, I just want to make sure that's clear as well, because very often this gets really reductionist and we're like, well, was it an X or a Y? And it's like, <laughs> you could have Sawyer syndrome where you have XY allosomes and you still develop with what you would call a female body. And yes, there are case studies of women with Sawyer syndrome getting pregnant and giving birth. So how are you going to be like, hey, your mom's a man. What is that? Because you fucking see the chromosome. That makes no sense. Um, you can have a Turner syndrome where you have X and nothing else, just the one. So what the fuck are we doing there, you know? And that actually makes a lot of sense because if you have XX, you have one of those two chromosomes turns into what's called a bar body. It just kind of shrivels up and deactivates. And only one of those X chromosomes actually does anything at any given time. And you can literally have one cell right next to the other cell expressing a different X chromosome because it doesn't fucking matter. And so like, it's, it's way, way more nuanced just in that area. And here's a fun fact for you. Chromosomes don't have shit to do with how we define sex and biology. We define it by gamete size. So if you have lots of small gametes, we call those sperm and we call you a male if you have very few large gametes we call those eggs and we call you a female what if you're infertile do you just not have a sex now no right. that doesn't really make any sense does it what if you're a, a species that is isogametic because that would be called anisogamy is when you have two different kinds of sex uh, of, of gametes that's anisogamy isogamy means you only have one size of gamete and there are isogametic species that still have distinct breeding pairs and sexes what if you're monoecious which means you don't have distinct sexes but you still are anisogametic so like so there's lots of plants for example that have uh, what we call a perfect flower which means they produce both sperm and eggs in the same plant and they still reproduce. So what, what are you going to do there? And there are dioecious plants where you have definite males and definite females. And it's like, and and all of that also is to say that there's more than two sizes of gametes in some species. So like, it's just, it's fucking weird, dude. Life is fucking weird. And that's the best part about it. And what we have to really understand and what we have to hammer home is that we don't even have a definition for life in biology. Mm, we don't sure. have a definition for species. We don't have a definition for shit. You know what a fish is, but if you go look up <laughs> the definition of a fish, it. right? If you go look up the definition of fish right now, tell me it doesn't make you want to pull your own eyeballs out <laughs> because it's complicated and weird and it's full of except for and unless and until and all this stuff. And all of biology is like that. And so when we look at a species and we're like, yeah, okay, so this is how they're reproducing, that can't be reduced down and then say, all right, that applies to everything. And it can't say that's the only way that it happens. And we can't say anything that goes outside of this is, is some freak, some aberration, some crazy, horrible thing. Like when we talk about intersex people and trans people and gay people and bi people and all these things, so very often when we talk about the science of these things, we end up in this discussion of statistics and of you know, uh, anomalies and abnormalities mm -hmm. and all these things. The exception that proves the rule. Right. We are not talking about statistics. We are not talking about 
problems. We are not talking about anomalies. We are talking about fucking people. And who are you to tell them my way of doing things, my culture, my middle school education tells you what you Trump's are for that. the rest of your yeah. life? That's nonsense. Well, and, and hopefully as more and more people feel comfortable coming out and that number, whether it naturally, quote unquote, will end up landing at, at 15% or 35% or, or whatever. I mean, however many of us are queer and that word queer is another we could just play with and recognize means yeah. almost everything, comma, nothing. And I, and I get it. It's all very messy, but hopefully just by sheer numbers, this, this argument will kind of fade away. I mean, do you have, I don't know, a, a hopefulness about sort of the way that people understand these things? I am uh, uh, incurably hopeful. <laughs> and, and I think that, I think that as time goes on, you know, the, the coolest thing about, you know, today, the, the, this day and age is, is the proliferation of social media, which has a lot of problems that we can get into. But like, when you look over the course of human history, the, the best revolutions happen because of, you know, better access to information, um, better sharing of ideas. Um, people on either side of the world able to say, hey, they may look different than me, but they have the exact same problems and they're thinking the exact same things. Um, you look at the civil rights movement here in America, the government was saying one thing and then you can look on TV and say, oh shit, like that's, they're lying yeah. and these people are just <laughs> being people. Um, when you look at, you know, the French Revolution, they're able to read and they're like, oh shit, America figured out how to not have a fucking monarchy anymore and not live under feudalism anymore. We could probably do something like that. And so when you look over the course of human history, all of these revolutions of, of politics, of civil rights, of thought come right behind uh, increased access to information and, mm -hmm. and people sharing their lives. And so now when I see things like YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and everything where we can do that and we can say, hey, here's people from all over the world expressing their humanity. And it turns out it doesn't fit in the little box that we've been told about our whole lives. I feel like we're, we're you know, on the cusp of something where more and more people are going to experience more and more human rights. And maybe, maybe, this is the big hope, maybe sometime in our lifetime, saying everybody should have equal rights won't be like a politically contentious controversial thing. thing. Yeah. It won't be like, you won't have to phrase that. Well, like, well, who are you talking about? Cause I hate <laughs> some people. We need to figure that like, that won't be a, a thing to keep away from Thanksgiving. Yeah, no fair. I mean, I'll, I'll have to admit that the, the cynic in me wants to talk about, you know, the Arab spring and how all of these technologies are owned by such a small number of people. And, and, oh, and yeah. if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But before I get myself overly depressed, I, I want to get back a little bit to, to gender and 
to if we can yeah. what might be like the the biological underpinnings of gender because we mm -hmm. recognize it's a social construct but i i've read some research that seems to suggest that you know uh, there is sexual differentiation that occurs in development and that mm -hmm. there are uh, these connections to natal hormones that potentially the hormonal environment may shift during the process and lead to something of like a a hardware software disconnect with the final product i know that yeah, these are, are silly ways of describing it but how how accurate if at all is that framework it's very so here's okay so that what's really important to remember is is again we have to define gender gender is a fluid term it's mm. a social construct what gender actually is the definition, right? Uh, uh, gender is an individual's expression of their expectation and their society's expectation of their perceived biological sex. That that's what gender is, right? Mm. Um, and so that shifts from generation to generation, from culture to culture, from person to person, from day to day. Like it's all well over the place. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and so that's something that when we look at it on the face, we're like, okay, well then we can't possibly say that there's a biological underpinning to that. But there kind of is. Is because mm. when we look across the animal kingdom, we see you know things that that were example just just off the top of my head. Uh, uh, oh, where are they from? Whiptail lizards. Uh, there's a species in Nevada. I'm 99% sure. Um, or somewhere over there in the west, southwest. Um, that uh, they are all female, completely female species. They reproduce through parthenogenesis. The females just make more females all the time, and that's just how they live. It's radical, cool, right? Miraculous evolution. They're not even close to the only animal that does this, but they are interesting because in order for a female whiptail lizard to make more wh female whiptail lizards, they have to mate with another female whiptail lizard. One of the other females will do a whole mating dance, a whole courtship dance, and act very distinctly not female, and then will climb up on top of the other female and do a whole pseudo copulation. They do all the motions as if they're having penetrative sex, and then that triggers hormonally in the receiving female to produce eggs that are now completely fertilized all by herself, and she makes more loots. So there you have a concept of what you could call a gender sure, yeah. in these in these uh, fucking lizards, I see the one of the people just pop in chat is it's a New Mexico whiptail, so not not Nevada, pardon <laughs> um, in that desert area. Um, it might be the New Mexico whiptail that extends up there because we have like Texas tarantulas here in Oklahoma, right? Like, I, I I remember the paper was from that area. Um, and so like we see like that this this really cool concept of of gender in a completely unisexual species. Um, and when we talk about you know we, I mentioned a little while ago you know uh, homosexuality in the animal kingdom. Um, that we've seen over 1,500 animal species exhibit homosexuality. Mm -hmm. We've seen reverses in what you could call typical gender roles, like, for example, in hyenas. Um, female hyenas have a fully erectile penis that does nothing. It's not a real penis. It's a pseudo-penis, but it's still erectile. Um, and erectile pseudo-penis is a concept that I was previously unfamiliar with. I still don't feel like I understand it, but I'm going to repeat it like it's my favorite band. <laughs> right. Uh, and they they actually, uh, they, they're, they're, it's a totally matriarchal society, and they actually bully the males into reproduction. Normally, you would imagine a male would, you know, have an erection if they were like feeling good and feeling excited and ready to do. But actually, when a, a male hyena is terrified and scared, that's when they get an erection because the female will bully him into having sex with her. Um, crazy. If you ever want to learn about the worst possible way to meet hyena a female, fear boners. Up. Got it. Yes. Study up on the the horrible life of male hyenas. Um, 
we you know we look at uh, ang uh, or a uh, clownfish, another just fun mm -hmm. example. Uh, all clownfish are born male, and then one of them will transition to female and develop female gonads, and then that will be the one that reproduces. And so, like you, you have these you know really fluid concepts of what gender is, even if you look out at the animal kingdom as a whole. And it's again, it's really important to remember. You know, each one of these species is individual. We can't say hyenas do it this way, therefore humans. You know, I mean, like we can't make that connection. But what we can do is say it's not as fucking simple as <laughs> the man go get fish and bring home and then have, right. have love with wife and then babies. And like, it's just not that simple, especially not when we look again at human cultures across history, where we see that the vast majority of cultures throughout history were polygamous, but the vast majority of relationships throughout history were monogamous. And we see that we have the, this, this, this hierarchy, this power structure of what a civilization allows versus what civil uh, people actually want to do. Mm -hmm. And we see, several different cultures which have a third gender or a gender that is specifically dedicated to sexual subservience or a gender that is is kind of fluid and it really depends on who's on the giving and who's or the pitching and the catching end of situations we see uh you know uh, cultures where we 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 have you know a totally different concept of gender roles and what they are and what they're for and what they mean and again th this this misunderstanding comes from the sheer dearth of feminism in archaeological literature. We go back and we review some of the big names in ancient archaeology and we're like, you know, all oh, the men go out and kill the thing and bring it home and the women are weaving and making pots and we find out that none of that is based in anything but the author's own biases. Just the assumption, and we're yeah. yeah, and we're learning more and more and more and more and more and more that humans have found lots of ways to be humans and and that our model the very puritanical male and female reductionist binary model that we were all taught in school is a great place to start but it's just not the whole story sure. and it's like if i if 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 i taught a class of middle schoolers that your dna controls your whole body that's not fucking true but it's a great way to introduce the concept and get them started and if you go to a college genetics class and and try to present a paper that says your dna controls everything in your body it's not going to work because it's more complicated than that and if you get into an argument and say oh, i learned in middle school your dna controls your whole body you're gonna look foolish and it's the same exact thing we talk about sex and gender it's just mm -hmm. more complicated than high school would let you to believe yeah humans well, are mean, far more interesting than 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 you know people like to admit right right so the in certain in a certain sense i think the the pat response that you have to carry around in your back pocket is just it's complicated it's complicated yeah. like if you can't speak with it uh speak on it with that level of sophistication then maybe we don't need to listen but i also recognize that there is just a lot of very politically motivated junk science out there so are, are there any good philosophical razors you can give us to to just help sort out some of that bad information without having to memorize all of the books that you're pouring through <laughs> so I uh, I actually missed a part of your last question and it applies here. So sure. I'm going to I'm going to answer your question like this. Um, <laughs> Let's do it. So when you you uh, you talked about hormones and you talked about you know, de developmental things and, and, and how people their their hardware and their software, you said mm -hmm. uh, are mismatched, um, you know, uh, estrogen in utero when you're in your fetus developing you if you are a female, you have to have a special protein that binds estrogen and stops it from getting to your brain because estrogen will give you what you would call a male brain. Now, this is 
you know, the, the whole idea of like boy brains and girl brains is kind of, it, it gets in that area where very quickly people take it and turn it into woo woo science. Kind of mm-hmm. like when we talk about like energy or frequencies or things like that. Sure. And like, there's a lot of real science to talk about here. And then some people are like, I have a crystal in my pocket that wins the lottery. <laughs> and like, so like when we talk about like male and female neural and uh, neural, that, that whole like a uh, waffle versus bowl of spaghetti thing has been, I, I don't know if the audience knows <laughs> yeah. that or not. That's I, been thoroughly I know exactly debunked, what right? you mean. Okay. Yes. That's bullshit. That's it's all yeah. bullshit. So like the, you know, the way that kids, a lot of that comes down to culture as well. There, there's a whole thing anyway, but like the, there is some reality to like minor differences in the neural architecture of a male versus a female brain. And again, this is very binary split just in the way we're talking about this. I am oversimplifying a lot of things here. Sure. If you think I'm giving you the full story, you are wrong. I just, I'm just trying to get through a talking head, a talking point here is like, so when we, we, you know, when we look at differences between males and female brain, we see certain differences, patches and neurons, the size of a grain of rice that vary a little bit. Um, and we see consistently that like, when you look at trans people, for example, their brains match their gender identity, not their genitalia. And so this isn't the case of this person just decided they want to be a girl today. This is a woman who literally has the wrong body as far as they're concerned. This is this mm-hmm. is an actual thing. And you look at the history. This is where now we get into what you're just asking. When you look at like the history of the way that we talked about psychology for the longest time, being a homosexual was considered a psychological disorder. You know, for, for there's a sure. long period of time where, where psychologists would try to cure homosexuality. Mm-hmm. We talked about it being illegal for a long time. And then when we came to understand with better research that this is something that is not in somebody's control, certainly is not a disorder, certainly doesn't hinder somebody being happy unless they grow up in an extremely regressive and, and, right. and shitty yeah. life. Unless we um, make them be. Right. This is actually just a totally acceptable and surprisingly common way to be a person. We erased this from the DSM, you know, whatever, and, and it was at the time. And that... That all of a sudden, now millions of people were cured of a mental disease that we thought they had because it turns out it didn't exist in the first place. And so now when we look at things like, you know, uh, being trans, we look at things like gender dysphoria. When we look at things, you know, body dysmorphia that goes along with these things, we look at all these different things. And I, I hesitate to use too many psychological terms because that is not my area of expertise. I'll, I'll call you out sure if I'm I need not. to. Yeah, I, I want to make sure that I'm not using a term that somebody's like, that's not quite the same thing and that I give bad information. I'm not a psychologist, I'm a biologist. But when... Uh, you know, when we we look at these issues, it's the exact same thing. As we get more information, we're finding out more and more, oh shit, this isn't just a girl who wanted to be a boy. This is a boy who mm-hmm. for some mm-hmm. reason got a vagina. What do we do about this? Maybe, maybe the best option would be to ask him and then he'll decide what he wants to do with his body. And that is the frontier that we're at now is that science is clear that like, oh shit, okay, this is not just some mental disease. This is not just some crazy person. Now the problem is is what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. how are we going to treat these people how are we going to bring them into our society are we going to bring them into our society at all what are we going to do about the fact that these people exist and it it seems like really really obnoxious to me that we're at a day and age where we still have to be arguing over who it is and isn't okay to discriminate against but at mm-hmm. least sure. that's the last frontier 
where yeah. we have to cross this path and be like, okay, I guess maybe we should let them control their own destinies and then we'll go, you know? Yeah. That's a radical idea. No, I mean, uh, the idea is certainly out there and uh, it's good to know that some people are starting to attach to it. We'll, we'll see where the trend lines all head, but the information is being gathered and that gives me some courage at, at a minimum. We can talk about, you know, uh, social media and its usefulness and, and these different things, but at a minimum, social media has the ability to disseminate a, uh, a research study that's being done now. And, and that hasn't always been the thing that this information is being collected. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Also, I'm like, hopeful. It, it allows us to support people just by existing as well, which is kind of cool. Like you can see on the screen sure. here, we have our, our pronouns on the square. There, uh, oh, there it is. There it says he, him, because <laughs> those are my pronouns. I don't have to give those out. I am a, a cisgendered, sure. mostly straight white man, right? That's This is all I need. I don't need to say shit. But by me doing that and normalizing the practice, I'm no longer having someone who doesn't does share their pronouns now they're kind of outing themselves a little bit that yeah. could be an issue and also it makes it less weird to have to ask and less weird to have to tell and so like this is a way that everybody can participate in a revolutionary change of acceptance and making people like just cool with who they are and remember it's acceptance not tolerance because i don't want to fucking be tolerated right i want to be loved so like this is and, you know and a great way through social media yeah you know, exactly this, this is not a, a difficult or challenging thing and i think that has to undergird everything that we're talking about like yes we should mm -hmm. trust that trans man to you know control his own destiny and to talk about his own body just philosophically but also the people who are so upset and going so out of their way around these issues i mean that's a, a whole separate topic but i uh you know the the aca received a email complaining about you know putting the pronouns up there on the screen that i got to respond to and i got into a little bit of a correspondence uh and i think we were about three or four emails deep before i had to stop and point out like hey friend like we've been emailing back and forth for a while. I know my email signature says Christy and doesn't have my pronouns in it. Here's a picture of me with a big old fucking beard. Your yeah. assumption has been wrong this whole time and it could have been solved by this thing that you've been complaining about. Exactly. So yeah, a lot uh, more to get into, a lot more to say. Uh, we also have some callers on the line, but we'd like a few cool. more. Hit us at 512-991-9242. Uh, but before we do that, let's take a, a quick moment to see what's been going on around the rest of the ACA. Would you go to your mother and say, Hey mom, do you have a penis in your panties? Because if the answer is no, then why would you ask somebody that you want to date that question? Nicely in my bedroom, but it doesn't mean that I think they're going to do anything special for me. I'm not going to be able to recharge my crystal in the moonlight and then put it in my water and expect like something to happen. Uh, Richard, I think, uh, I think you've been watching the Pope lately. I have, I have indeed been watching the Pope. I'm like, God, I sneak under his bed covers every night and just have a quick peek. Please like and subscribe to the channel. Oh, it means so much to us if you do and comment as well. Start a fight in the comments i don't know make something controversial say pineapple is good on pizza and i'll back you up on that i, I mean they're gonna end up being queer people everywhere we're making more every single day and so it's it's inevitable <laughs> that not everybody can run away from the thing that they want to run away from Oh, I hey. forgot that my mic was hot during that, and I cleared my throat at the end yeah. of that promo. I apologize <laughs> to everybody who'd hear that. Well, no worries. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's uh, let's take a quick moment and talk to uh, Dylan in Florida. Uh, Dylan, sure. you got an interesting question for us. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, uh, um... Less, less a question, but um, I guess the short answer to the, the prompt question was if um, I think that animals have a gender, and I don't think we're at the point where an animal can verbally say yes or no, sure. um, but I mean, there are animals that have an intelligence level that's actually pretty high comparatively to like other animals, say like a dog or a cat, like crows, for instance, are super, super smart and like wickedly smart. <laughs> But I don't think it's at the level where we can communicate um, with any meaning on that level. So short answer, yeah. no. But I also well, actually had a definitely interesting comes question. To like, are we thinking to about it? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry to talk over you, but just to say, I, I think it kind of depends on, on how we're defining our terms. Like, is are we think talking about gender in philosophical terms? Can we look at another animal and sort of project human thoughts onto them? And, you know, that that can get really tricky in a lot of ways. It's certainly fun to, to think about. In any case, uh, you you had uh, a interesting story for us about your cat, and I, I'm really curious about it. Um, yeah, so recently I had to take my um, kitty to the vet because he had a UTI. Um, and because he's a male cat, they said if that frequently becomes an issue, they'll have to actually change his sex into a female. And I, I kind of sat there and I looked at my mom and I'm just like, so my cat's going to transition before I do? Um, kind of making a light of it. And I'm also thinking if that, if that were to happen, if that were to happen, um, I'd probably still gender him as he, him, because that's just mm. what I had him as. And it's not like he can say, hey, dad, uh, actually, yes, I am a girl. Can you please say she, her? Because um, I, I literally like grabbed his little face. And I'm just like, you're still going to be he, him, buddy, if that happens. Um, but luckily, there wasn't an issue. And he hadn't had any further UTI issues afterwards because, you know, diet change and all that. But the, the prompt sort of reminded me of that, where it's just like, I'm imposing my own view of gender on, you know, my pet. But it's not like he can say either way what I'm going to say to him. Like, I call him a little stinky man all the time. He doesn't object. He's just like, mm, pets, I love you, love you. He's just like, oh, you're giving me attention? Okay, attention. Like, I'm calling him a little stinky him, himbo man. Like, he's not going to object about that, you know? Yeah, so, no, if, if I, gender I is a, is a like human construct a and we humans think of our pets as having one, do, does that mean that they have one? I mean, that that's some pretty good, like, navel-gazing questions. Uh, but this, uh, this idea of uh, your cat transitioning in order to cure an, a UTI, can, can you walk us through a little bit about, like, what that that notion was or, or what the uh, what the medical goal um, was here? The, that, it was more of like a side 
tangent that the vet had informed me on if it was a reoccurring uh, issue. If you frequently got mm-hmm. UTIs, that, that is a thing that they would have to do as they've done it before with male cats because female cats are less likely to get UTIs. So that would be just a medical, a literal medical transition that you would have to have on a cat in order to have a better quality of life. Um, so, but that's what I've understand of it and what I've looked it up um, yeah. about it. Because I've, I've had other cats in the past uh, that weren't mine, that were my stepmothers, that had also UTI issues. Um, mm. But they're older in years, so that wasn't really something that we had discussed about it. Um, but I've had a male cats before where they had UTI issues. And honestly, just the change of diet helped. But I just thought it was an interesting thing that they brought up in the first place. Yeah. So I'm sitting there as a trans I'm- man, just I don't have anything done. I'm just like, so my cat is going to transition before me. <laughs> and I'm like, mom. I'm looking the so shit I'm up there. right now. I'm freaking out. <laughs> Because like I, he, in, in humans, people with female anatomy are more prone to UTI because females have a significantly shorter urethra than males. And that's not just because we have an external penis that also extends the urethra, but also we have a whole prostate situation going on. So my urethra goes like up and then loops through a prostate and like bifurcates to go down. It's, it's a whole fucking system. Whereas with females, their bladder is basically sitting on the end of their pelvis. Like it's your you your fucking urethra is that fucking shorter for female, and so like you have a higher risk yeah. of UTI for that reason. I am now trying to figure out why the yeah, like- fuck cats get them and like what's going on there. Apparently, there's a whole issue with like it's it's it, this this site said from Blue Cross Cross Vet Hospital says that female cats are more at risk for urinary tract infection, maybe for the same reason. And I've got this other site over here that's also, saying that I males are more prevalent because they have a inner urethra and what the fuck is that all the bodies are weird yeah dylan i appreciate you calling in i mean it definitely raises some really interesting questions and just kind of reminds us about our relationship with with our pets uh and and quote nature and and so many of the things that we're talking about uh we, we certainly do wish you great luck both to your pets health and to your transition <laughs> Thank you, guys. But, Thank you for giving me something to read for the next five years. <laughs> you have a great night. Sorry. Take care, Dylan. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be, I will be procrastinating from my actual job for a long time reading about <laughs> trans cats. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating idea. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess that actually does set us up here because I, I wanted to ask you about how, right. Okay. Gender, human construct, but are there, are there corollaries? I mean, is there evidence of what we might think of as gender in, in other species? Yeah. I mean, like that was, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, lizards and fish and things like that. And like, there's, it's interesting that like we see a lot of very human uh, responses to gender mm-hmm. as well. Um, uh, a great example just off the top of my head is, is, um, oh gosh. I'm pretty sure they're baboons. Um, it's a species of. I remember reading this study for a little while. Like with this, you know, uh, uh, they have like the male hierarchy where you have like the big bad male that gets to have all the sex all the time, um, and then you have the the little scrawny male that doesn't. Um, and like the little scrawny male would see one of the females walk by, and she's clearly an estrus, and she's all sorts of engorged in all the right places, and he would go scamper off behind a tree and masturbate. And it's very clear by the timing of this situation that like he is fantasizing he's responding to the stimuli Mm. and moving on this way and so you see in that situation not only a demonstration of social hierarchy 
and also a demonstration of, you know, animal sexual behavior and also a demonstration of gender and gender signaling and like what type of sex characteristics these creatures are looking for and when they matter. Like you can see all sorts of uh, corollaries with these sorts of, um, you can also see that, you know, uh, uh, humans tend to be very, um, uh, uh, patriarchal in, in, in Mm. the way that we, we tend to view societies or tend to think that we should. Again, there's lots of cultures out there that are not (laughs) patriarchal, but whatever our Western culture decided that that, that's not real. British notion of anthropology. Uh uh, Exactly. Yeah. Tracking through the jungle with your machete. Got it. Right. Right. Um, and so we, uh, uh, but like when we look at the, out in the animal kingdom, we see some of our closest relatives, bonobos, are completely matriarch. They're also almost entirely bisexual, and they handle sex in a completely different way. They they don't just have sex for reproduction; they have sex for fun all the time. They do it for to, to when they're fighting, they have sex, and then that's how they resolve the fight. And then they have sex to celebrate the fact that they resolve the fight, and then they have sex to say hello <laughs> and sex to say goodbye. Um, and we see um, that, and that's that's a whole other tangent where we see animals having sex clearly just for pleasure a lot. That that's not just a reproductive thing as well. Right. And yeah. that leads you down the rabbit hole of understanding what gender is and isn't because not only do we see them having sex for pleasure that we we, we see um uh oh gosh we see some of these animals are uh, uh seasonal breeders which means they can only actually get pregnant at one particular time and they're deliberately having sex outside of their breeding season by the way the opposite of a seasonal breeder is a continuous breeder and that is the worst descriptor for humans i know yeah i don't um, like that term <laughs> yeah it's awful <laughs> oh but um we uh, uh we see also uh animals that are having sex that could not possibly lead to reproduction. I'm talking anal sex, oral sex, mm-hmm. non-penetrative genital stimulation, which is the fancy biology way to say masturbation. We see it all in the animal kingdom. And that also reflects you know, uh, uh, gender roles, especially when you combine it with the fact that we see a lot of homosexuality and bisexuality out in the animal. So like, yeah, dude, like it's, if if you're getting your whole concept of sex and sexuality from the discovery channel and it's like, oh yeah, these guys did this, this reproduced with that. And they did a little dance and then out popped a baby. Hooray. Um, you're kind of missing the point of how beautifully weird this whole thing is. Um, and it's, it reminds me, there's this stupid, it's not even a joke, real, just as like a, a kind of a thought experiment story um, in biology about this, about like <clears throat> the uh, the Martians come down and they meet with the world's best scientists and uh, they're all exchanging notes about each other's biology and they're learning about how they work and everything. And finally, the question comes up, well, how do you reproduce? How do you make more Martians? And Martians are like, oh, I'll show you. And then you show us how to make more humans. It'll be great. And so all the scientists get up there with their clipboards and they're watching and these two Martians get next to each other and they vibrate a little bit and one jumps up on the other one's shoulders and they honk each other's noses and then some steam comes out of their ears and then whoop, out pops a new Martian right there just right away. And the humans go, oh my God, that's incredible. And they're taking all sorts of notes. And the Martians say, okay, now you show us. And so a male and a female human go and they have sex in a bed and then they come out and all the Martian scientists are like, okay, where's the new human? Where's the human? And yeah, and, and the humans go, well, that takes about nine months. And the Martians say, well, then why did they seem like they were in such a hurry? <laughs> and the idea here is just to think about the fact of why do we have sex the way we do when it's yeah. you know, really, it could just be such a simple thing. And it's it feels good and it's fun. You know, that th- the concept that something feels good and just is enjoyable is kind of difficult when you're talking it about sure matters. It's, yeah. 
it's yeah, it's not something that we can measure and it's not something that we can put a ruler next to and say, okay, it happens this much and this time. And like, mm-hmm. it's not a quantifiable thing. So it's hard to write about it in science that these animals did this for fun. They did it because it felt good. They did it because they wanted to, not because this was the male and this was the female and they did X, Y, Z thing. And we see that every single Biological time. imperative and they're, uh, you know, exactly, yeah. drives and it's just something that they wanted to do. And how the fuck do you write a paper about? And so you don't get that a lot of the time when you're learning bio. Mm. You don't see that. And so, and, and this, there's a whole, this is a fun thing to think about. There's a huge fucking bio, a biological question about why females have orgasms. The female <laughs> orgasm is a huge question. What's the evolutionary significance of that? How does it make any sense? There, There's actually papers that arguing that maybe it just exhausts the woman so much that she's more likely to lay still and, and allow for fertilization. <laughs> and like, and there's all these, you know, trying to come up with reasons. And I get it. I understand why you want to do that because science is reductionist and, and we really sure. want to try to boil things down. But sometimes shit just feels good. And sometimes the mechanism is, I, I don't fucking know right now. And it's okay to say, I don't know. And it's okay to be surprised. And that's something that we should really be more, you know, fun with when we talk about when we talk about science in general. Yeah, well, I mean, does any of that uh, look like looking at gender, quote unquote, in, in these other species, does that do anything to illuminate on us humans, what gender is, where it might be coming from, or, or some of these notions. Like, so at, for that, I would just go back to at the very beginning, I said yes and no. And, and, sure. and I stand by that yeah. because yes, it does. Insofar as it reminds us that this is a big open field that lots of species and lots of individuals within lots of species do very differently. And we can look at like sexual dimorphism and we can say, mm-hmm. you know, the sexual dimorphism for those who don't know is, is you know, the, the physiological differences between males and um, and so when you look at a, if you were to set down two skulls of a male and a female gorilla in front of me, um, you would see that there's a big sagittal crest with all these muscle attachments on the male. The male has these great big canine teeth with a great big wide diastern to fit them in. Clearly very robust jaws. This big, monstrous, carnivorous looking scary skull for a creature that's pretty much completely folivorous. They almost just eat leaves all the time. That's, that's their whole diet. Um, generally, there's different species. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but like by seeing the extreme degree of sexual dimorphism in these skulls, you can now tell a lot about the species and their reproductive behavior and the way that they raise children. You can tell that's because this male is so much bigger, it's probably a tournament species. It's built for combat. So mm. it's probably going to have an alpha male situation where you have like one big guy running the show that has most of the sex, if not all of the sex. You can tell that the, the life of a male is very short compared to that of a female. You can also tell that the male probably doesn't invest a lot of energy into raising children because they're out fighting to see who they can fuck next. And the females Developing probably giant all, skulls and everything. Yeah. Yes, and the females are putting all the work into raising children. You can tell there's probably a lot of infanticide in this situation where the mm. new male becomes a new owner and kills all the other babies so that only his babies are around. There's lots of things you can tell from these skulls. And then if you see two skulls of a male and female species that are very, very similar, you can tell these are probably a lot more of a monogamous species. They probably have a lot more you know, equal opportunity sharing in the work of raising children, a lot of the same energy expenditure. Um, and there's even some scientific literature out there, some really interesting arguments that 
use that as a framework for sex determination rather than anything like gamete size, hormone levels, genitalia, gonads, all these other things that we still, we use all of these things to decide what a sex is. Maybe we should be looking at more at like energy expenditure in terms of raising children. If you put a mm. lot of energy into it, we call you a female. If you put very little energy relatively, we call you a male. Um, and so when we look out into the animal kingdom and we, even, even other kingdoms, we look out in nature in general, we get these really interesting insights into what sex is and how sex plays out. And if there is such a thing in gender in these species that we can kind of draw a corollary to, because as Dylan said, I can't go ask what does gender feel like <laughs> right. of any of these animals. This is the only species that can tell you what it feels like to be a male or a female or non-binary. And even or still, we are just scratching at the edges of the darkness yes. with fire. I mean, we, we do this show for an hour and a half every week, and I still like I can talk for hours and hours and hours about gender, and mm -hmm. yet I still feel like I can't say anything about it. Nothing definitive, yeah. nothing that makes any real goddamn sense. Because all you have is your subjective experience, right? And sure. so that's just weird. And like, that's that's the whole thing about it, is that like, when you ask if I can look out in nature and learn anything about gender, yeah, I can learn a lot. But all I can learn is how fucking weird it is. And I can't yeah. learn anything <laughs> about your gender. And I can't learn anything about mine. Um, but I can learn about the concept. And so this, to me, it, it the the whole thing about studying, you know, sex and gender and, and and animal sexual behavior and all these things, it reminds me of that psychological experiment. It's, it's a thought experiment um, called Mary's Room. Um, mm. It's the idea that there's this brilliant physicist um, who is completely colorblind. She can only possibly see um, black and white and shades of gray. That's all she can see. But she becomes best physicist in the entire world studying light and color. And she knows everything there is to know about color. She can tell you every single bit of information about it. And then one day there's a miracle surgery and she has her brain tweaked or eye fixed, whatever. And now she can see the full rainbow just like you and I can. And the question is, did she learn anything new in that mm. situation? Is there anything new to learn? And it, it, it's kind of, it's a question because <laughs> yeah, there is no, you can't. Sure. Right, right. And that's the same thing with gender. We can explore this concept and embrace the absurdity of the whole thing. And that's great. That's what we do with everything in biology. But when you have a gender, do you learn anything new about this concept? Is there anything more that you can add? I think so, but what is it substantially? Sure. And so it's it's just, man, it's a fun thing to think about. And that's 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 all we got, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and let's embrace that attitude, right? Like let's just acknowledge that nature is weird and wild, and that's a awesome and fascinating thing, rather than just a club to beat people over the head with when they're different from you or voting, you know, in the wrong way, whatever the fuck that means means <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know the nature is what nature is it, there's an old you know i, I always say it, it, there's there's an old saying in science that every model is wrong but some of them are sure. useful yeah and it's the same thing you know every every map is wrong the earth is what the earth looks like and if you had a map from the 1500s it's better than no map but it's not a great map and if you have a google images satellite map it's better than the 1500s map, but it's still not exactly right. And so nature is what nature is. 
everything we know about it is the best approximation that we can write down on paper. But it is what it is, and it's doing its own thing. And like I said, it makes all the rules and it breaks all the rules all the time. So if you find something that deviates from the norm and isn't hurting anybody, you know, maybe you should focus on the science of the matter Very and sad. listen and pay attention and ask. Like, don't try to cram people into a box when they're telling you they don't fit. Ask them what their box looks like. Mm. Don't take that literally. And like, and learn <laughs> about you know who they are as a person and take notes and learn from them. Don't just say you're wrong about who you are. That's such a weird thing to do. Well, then I, I know that this is uh, more of a philosophical or, or maybe even a personal question than it is a scientific one. But, mm. but ultimately, how do you think we should feel about ourselves uh, as as a human species, like the man as a creature or as an animal, and the yeah. way that that impacts the way that society looks at gender or our relationship with it. Um, I think it's really important to remember that people are under no obligation to make sense to you, mm, and so sure. you like we we can you know I, I think that we need to. Uh, for a lot of reasons and in a lot of situations, not just this one, but in a lot of things about science, about culture, um, about anthropology in general, especially bioanthro. Um, I think it's people it's really important that people, you know, kind of start to dismantle the heuristics that they were given and that they were raised with and just start to ask questions about how other people live, how other people exist. Um, and, and don't expect for them to break it down in a way that's functional for you. Mm. If it doesn't make sense, that might be more on you than on them you know that might be on you to now adapt the way you're thinking if you even if you don't want to accept it to understand where they're coming from. you know what i mean um that's that's something that a lot of people need to be doing and i think that's a very difficult and confusing thing and i think it's something that's very easy to say and a mm -hmm. lot harder to do um but like the, i remember you know when i was studying so uh in grad school i studied uh, this thing called archaeological theory which is this whole class on what it means to be a person and how we know what different people felt like and how we come to terms with their concepts of reality and you know, there's a whole oh my god it, <laughs> putting putting the facts of human nature in order in different ways and shuffling that order around um and the concept of individualism hit me in the face like a ton of bricks we are raised in this society as individuals right i am my own person i have my own choices i make my own decisions i have my sure. own life i everything's on me right? I mean, right down to i have my own soul uh, i have my precisely. own name in god's book or, or whatever right precisely yes we live in a very individualistic society so much so that i didn't even know that individual was one option i thought that was just the term for what we are individual is the antithesis of that I'm not just my own person. I am the product of my family. Mm -hmm. I am an extension of my culture. I am part of my civilization. They are all here backing me. I am here because of them. And we together experience things. And you see this in a lot of cultures, even some cultures in America. You listen to the way that you know uh, uh, white people and black people talk about their history. And you'll see a, sure. a significant difference where it's like, I didn't own a slave, therefore I'm a good person versus 
we went through this to get, you know what I mean? And yeah. so you see a lot of, a lot of different cultures around the world where you have a individual society and a totally different way of looking at your place in your community. That blew my mind to shit. And so once you get through that concept of I might not just be my own person, then you can kind of go into, okay, so maybe there's different ways to view my masculinity. Mm -hmm. What actually mm -hmm. is masculinity? What does that I've boil down it. to? Exactly. It's something that I've produced and my culture has produced. Different cultures have different concepts. If I, if I acted like a macho masculine man in America, in Taiwan, I would be a fucking crazy person, right? It would be very different. Um, the same way as if I acted like an individual in, in New Guinea, you know what I mean? It'd be a totally different thing. And so this is a way that, you know, when we start to approach other people and you start to learn, you know, uh, uh, about their lives, they don't have to make sense to you. You need to put in the work to try to help them make sense to you. And if mm. you can't get there, that's on you, not them. Um, a little while ago, you asked about what ways people could, you know, pick through sources and look for, uh, I think you said like some razors and everything. Sure. Look for words like mental illness and insanity and abnormality. Mm. And Pathologizing like and exactly. yeah, othering. When, when you see people trying to treat other cultures and other ways of thinking as if they're a disease, maybe that's not a great source of understanding. However, sure. when you see people who are talking about them statistically and scientifically and saying like, okay, here's what we're really trying to understand about these and here's what we're learning and here's what they're saying, a more ethnographic kind of way of looking at things, that might be a way better way to try to get some backing on who these people are and how you can help them just by recognizing them and treating them. Well said. I uh, I really appreciate your worldview uh, as much as anything else, as much as all the information that you've shared with us well, today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, uh, we've got just a, a little bit of time left. So I want to, while we can, touch base with uh, Ramo in California. Uh, Ramo, what's on your mind tonight? Hey guys. Um, so just a little bit of backstory. Uh, five, I'm 36 years old. Five years ago, I've like started to make my transition to becoming an ex-Muslim. Um, and through like, process over the thank you uh, over the last several years, especially over the last couple of years, I've like <clears throat> I guess I've noticed through all the indoctrination and whatever, I've suppressed a lot of stuff, uh, especially sure. about my sexuality. Um, and I, I used to, I used to refer to myself as bisexual, um, but I actually like the term fluid more. Um, so I guess I'll use that from now on. Um, but I'm married and I love my wife very much. Um, some days I wake up and I feel 
for lack of a better way to describe it, like super gay. <laughs> and yeah. I just feel so guilty, so, so guilty. Um, cause I don't know kind of how to do, I, I don't know how to deal with all that. Um, I don't know. I just don't know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, well, I think I a really, agree. yeah, I, I think a really important thing to remember is, um, you know, n- number one, I'm, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not going to give you any marriage advice here. Um, <laughs> yes, it's not my job, but, uh, what I will say is that, you know, when we talk about sexuality and sexual orient, a lot of the time, first of all, what you just described about feeling super gay sometimes is something that I'd say about 80% of my bisexual friends have said at one point or another. So like that's, yeah. yeah. Um, and I would also say that, you know, you are discovering yourself, you're exploring your own sexuality for the first time. You're going to be all over the place. It, it you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. expect to just lock into your sexuality and just understand it suddenly any more than you would religion or, you know, favorite foods or anything like that. You're exploring a whole new world of possibility and you're asking questions of yourself that you've never had to ask. Mm-hmm. Give yourself some time to fucking right. be weird, yo. And then also, what yeah. I think is really important for a lot of people to understand, especially when they are exploring sexuality and, and, and sexual orientation for the first time, is that we, when we talk about these things, tend to conflate three different concepts when we talk about sexual orientation. Sexual orientation mm-hmm. is the, what you are sexually attracted. Romantic orientation mm-hmm. is who you are romantically and, and emotionally attracted to. And then there's another concept entirely called erotic orientation, which is the stuff that gets you off that you might not necessarily actually want in real life. Sometimes, a lot mm-hmm. of the times, these three concepts are all the same thing. For a lot of people, they all float together. And it works. For a lot of people, they actually are totally different. And and there's a reason why we see a significant amount of heterosexual people having homosexual fantasies that they would never want to act on because they just their brain wanted to go there and it got them off. And so they did. Mm. There's a reason why people feel, you know, romantically attracted to one person and another person seems really sexy, even though they don't want anything to do with. There's a reason why these things happen, because these are actually different parts of our our cognition, a different part of our consciousness, different part of our brain, whatever you want to say. They're a different part of our, our sexual identities. And so allow yourself time to fucking be weird dude and and accept the fact that everybody else is too uh so again i'm not going to give you a new marriage advice but i am going to tell you that you are absolutely not alone in what you're experiencing right now in any way and you have nothing to feel guilty about for mm-hmm. for exploring yourself and for asking questions of yourself and for feeling things. totally normal in your weirdness yeah 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 you know um i i my wife is great she's super accepting i've been very open about uh, about all this with her she's um she just understands and she's kind of said similar stuff to you, actually. It's very interesting. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, that's it's you kind of put it into words what I couldn't say. Like, I've been I guess I've been, quote unquote, straight my entire life. And I, it's that comes so simple to me. But those days that I wake up and I feel gay, like really gay. And I know I'm not like I know, you know, I feel this different attraction that feels a little bit alien to me. I have no idea how to understand that. And it feels, um, yeah, it just feels very alien to me. It doesn't feel wrong. Yeah. It just feels different. Um, and that's, yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's, what you just said is perfect right there. I mean, I just need to give myself a little bit more time. 
Yeah, just give yourself room, explore, treat it the same way you would if you were experiencing any new thing. You know, if you if you got a new car, you wouldn't expect to know it inside and out. You'd take the time to discover new features and how it feels, and it would be different sometimes and other times. And the same thing with sexuality, man. You're learning more about yourself. Congrats. What a wonderful thing that you get to do. Lots and lots of people don't ever get the chance to do that. Um, and how amazing, how lucky you are to have an incredible wife who's willing to, to, to be there with you for it. And, you know, honestly, I usually, I make jokes where I'm like, I'm mostly straight or I'll say I'm straight enough because like, it doesn't matter. I'm happily engaged to a woman and I love her very much and I'm attracted to her and we're good. It, nothing else matters beyond. If I discover later on that I like something else, I don't fucking care. I'm still with her. What does it matter that I get Mm -hmm. to explore this thing now? Awesome. How, what a fun thing to go try. But at the end of the day, I'm happy. She's happy. (laughs) Who fucking cares what I am? It doesn't matter. Well, I think you're making an important distinction here, which is that that uh, you are responsible to your wife, to the people around you, towards society for your actions. And that's it. Like that's the, that's the entire list. Your, your thoughts, your feelings, your fears, your fantasies, the things that you are feeling are just feelings and they, they matter as much as they matter to you and, and no further. You know, when you talk about guilt, I, I guess I just want to really emphasize that the way that you think or feel or masturbate or whatever else it is totally up <laughs> to you. But what you do is what you are responsible to. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And I guess, that, yeah, that definitely makes sense because I don't feel like me as a person uh, has changed. You know what I mean? It feels sure. like more, more of anything, I've just like shown some light on um, some dark spots that I, I just never had a chance to uh, before. So um, it's definitely been like a weird discovery process. I will mm-hmm. say definitely it feels more positive than negative. I think that's why this guilt kind of stands out to me. Um, sure. but definitely I, it sounds like I just need to work on how I'm thinking about it. I, I think I'm kind of being a little too hard on myself. Yeah, Absolutely. it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. It's going to take some time and you'll find some things that you didn't expect to like. You'll find some things that you maybe don't want to like. And, and all of that's okay because ultimately what you like and don't like or enjoy or turned on by or, or whatever else, that's not the same thing as what you do. And, and that's the thing that you need right. to be responsible to. I think what Christy said yeah, was also is really important because like, I think that's a strong corollary even to just understanding your own heterosexuality back when you thought you mm-hmm. were hetero, right? When you first started having sex, mm-hmm. period. When you first started exploring masturbation, period. Not not in this new way, but when you very first started understanding these feelings in the first place, you probably had similar ideas of like, oh my gosh, is this, I, I think I'm supposed to like this. I'm not sure I'm supposed to like that. This mm-hmm. feels good. Am I supposed to feel yeah, good why I'm... does this feel good and you discover new things and you're like oh holy shit there's this now that's great and like that's that's <laughs> it's just you have now the opportunity to do all of that over again and have your awkward first time having sex phase all over again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my joke with my wife is that like uh like the, my porn library has vastly increased because uh, different <laughs> categories have yeah. opened themselves up to me <laughs> how exciting <laughs> <laughs> well, I re- well, I'm really thankful for you guys. Thank you, Christy, and thank you, Forrest. Uh, you guys really, um, you gave me some stuff to think about. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, have Thanks, fun guys. exploring. Th- thank you so much yeah. for giving us a call tonight. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you again as you uh, you know pick up more experiences on this journey. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a good night. Hey, take care.
Thanks for calling in, man. See you later. All right. Well, Forrest, we are just about out the door tonight. It's been a really great time, uh, but we've we've spent most of this conversation looking at everything from this sort of like 10,000 foot view. Where can people go to, to kind of lock down some of these details or, or to just get a little bit more nuanced understanding of some of these like very complicated concepts you've been throwing at us? Yeah. So um, the, 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 you know, studying sex and gender and, and sexual behaviors and everything in biology is not a new concept. There is mountains and mountains of literature, both from just the biological perspective and also the biological bioanthropological perspective. Um, I recommend to everybody uh, this book here. Uh, it's called Evolution's Rainbow by Joan Roughgarden. It's a fantastic read uh, by a biologist at Stanford. Um, I think on the same shelf, I've got uh, uh, Myths of Gender and Sexing the Body by Anne Fausto Sterling. This one's a little bit more dated than this one, but these are some really, really cool stuff. Um, the This one over here is called Evolution and Human Sexual Behavior. This one's really, really cool too. You can check this guy out. Uh, this one's by Peter Gray and Justin Garcia. Um, also, if you want the more like archaeological theory side to things, which is really important, I would recommend checking out uh I'm gonna blow it on the names, but if you Google uh sexuality studies in archaeology by Voss, V-O-S-S, that's a great paper that details out different concepts of gender and sexuality across history. Also, um Black Feminist Archaeological Theory by I think it's actually called Black Feminist Theory in Archaeology by Kathleen Sterling. Kathleen with a K. Um, and it's a great introduction to all sorts of different concepts of feminism, of exploring race in archaeology but i'm i'm 99 sure there's a really cool section there as well about like queer archaeology as well um and on that note i would recommend picking up uh see here hold on um oh flip dude i know i've got here's one right here and right here this is uh uh archaeological theory by uh matthew john matthew johnson and archaeological theory in the new millennium by uh, harris and sipola both of these have really cool things on uh, uh queering archaeology as well and like looking at other human cultures um so I would recommend all those if you want to like get a head start on those. Are, I pulled really cool information out of all of those for different lectures I've given um, and and stuff in that uh, about today. Uh, Robert Sapolsky as uh, a neuroendocrinologist at Stanford, I believe he has an amazing series about human behavioral biology that's free on YouTube. It's like 10 years old now, but he's got a great series on there about human sexual behavior um, that you could learn a lot from, even though that information is like a decade old, there's still a lot you can build off of there. Um, and he's written other books as well that'll really help a lot. Like for example, Behave is one of his books that's fucking fantastic. Um, I think that's all for now, but like, bro, I could go on. There's yeah, so much out there that you can learn from. No, you for sure. You can learn so much about this and just get passionately curious <laughs> and keep studying. That's what I've done for my whole life. Get passionately curious and get weird with it and explore the beautiful, interesting diversity that is life because humans are so much more interesting than people like to give them credit. Mm, well said. Well, if anybody is uh, you know jogging through the park and, and didn't quite catch that list, uh, we will have it in the uh, the show notes for this episode if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, and then I just suppose we can go ahead and start to wrap up for the night because Sounds my good. head is spinning from all of the information that you've been giving us. Now I've got this huge stacked up reading list <laughs> and I need to go Sorry, and find I, I out. I kind of rambled for like an hour and a half. I, I mean, I need to learn more about whiptail lizards. I mean, Jesus Christ. For several reasons you do. They're really <laughs> fucking cool. Sure. Well, there 
there's uh, there's so much happening. So uh, as I said, you'll be able to to find these in the show notes for this episode, wherever you are watching this tonight. Uh, and you can keep up with the show in that way. You can also keep up with what's going on with the ACA. You can find uh, ticket information about the Bat Cruise as that becomes available, information about all the live events that we're now able to do. And uh, you can check all of that out on the ACA's website, which is atheist-community.org. You can email the organization or get in touch with this show specifically by emailing sex at atheist-community.org. And you can keep up with all of the other shows on the network at tiny.cc slash AEN podcast, our one-stop shop for an audio-only version for each of the shows. The show notes that I mentioned, if you are uh, you know, not seeing them in your podcast app or on your YouTubes and things, will also be in the Secular Sexuality Facebook fan group. A great opportunity for us to, uh, I guess, stare at our navels a little bit and, and kind of pass a beer around and wonder, like, is gender a, a thing that animals have? And how do we know and, and play around with some of that armchair philosophy. Uh, we can also encourage you to have those conversations at in the atheist community of Discord. That's tiny.cc slash ACD Discord. And then, of course, you can check out our uh, merch store at tiny.cc slash merch ACA. Now that I've gotten through each of those, oh, I'm sorry, I do want to mention our new shirt of the month. Plenty of great options and some new products coming to that store, so worth checking out. But more important than any of the things I've said tonight is to make sure to mention our incredible crew uh, that helps us put all of this together, keeps everything organized, keeps everything looking good. Thank you all, all so much for all of the work that you do. We very much appreciate you. And with that, Forrest, what kind of final thoughts or, or lasting impressions do you hope to leave with the audience tonight? Uh, I would just say more than anything, give yourself the opportunity to ask yourself questions and explain explore yourself. So many people go through their whole lives pushing feelings down, not opening up to themselves about themselves, trying to fit into a box that their parents or their pastor or their culture gave them. And uh, you are far more cool than anybody will ever let you. So give yourself the opportunity to ask yourself those questions. And who knows, maybe you'll find out that you're exactly where you thought you always were. And that's totally fine. At least you'll be honest about it. Uh, so I think everybody should get the opportunity. <laughs> well, I, I had thought we had agreed before the show that I would let you do all of the hard science stuff and that I would get to do all of the therapy stuff. But I, I absolutely could not have said that better. Uh, an absolutely beautiful thought. So uh, there's really nothing else for me to say other than to, to gross it up a little bit and encourage everybody listening, whether they are a whiptail lizard or a orangutan or whoever else may be able to hear the sound of my voice, however you do it, why ever you do it, whether it is for pleasure or for some sophisticated bioanthropological construct, we just want to encourage all of you to, to go out and give yourself a big ol' orgasm. Or, better yet, give somebody else one. As long as they're cool looking too.
Watch Talk Heathen live Sundays at 1 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTTH and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call TH.